Yeah, there we go. Praise the Lord. Actually, uh, I pastor an Eritrean church in Burnaby. So we have services in the afternoon and in uh, Saturdays and Sundays. I pastor the, it's called Gate of Hope, International English Service. And so we have an Eritrean service Sunday afternoon and an English service Saturday. So me and my wife, we have over uh, 60 kids and young people. So this is really quiet for me here today. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I do over there. And, and it is all refugees. They came to Canada and they asked me to start a church with all their young people and children. Uh, last December, so in January, I moved to Burnaby with my wife and we started that church. And so that's what I do, I do there. And yes, I, I minister on the streets also. And because I live right down there uh, on 107A Avenue, what's called the Quattro Buildings, and I walk a lot. I'm 66 years old and I have to keep exercising <laughs> to keep in shape. So I walk a lot and I see all these people on the street and I talk to them and I minister to them and I pray for them and I share the word of God with them and, and uh, I don't give them cigarettes. <laughs> Whenever they're smoking, I have a little joke with them. They all know me now. I say, well, you got more money than I do. And they look at me. I don't have so much money, I can burn it. <laughs> and they look at me like I'm weird. Anyway, praise the Lord. You have a very special place here. Um, two Sundays ago, when I was uh, worshiping there, and the Holy Spirit gave me a prophetic word for this church. And, and I want to share it with you. I wrote it down. And this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was worshiping. He said to me, it's no small thing that I have called you by your name. I've titled the message, I Have Loved You. That's from John chapter 15, verse 9. It's no small thing that God calls you by your name. And he wants you to know that. It's a big deal. And sometimes we don't realize the importance of God's call upon our lives and that he chooses to call us by name. And then he said, it's no small thing that I have worked on your behalf. Each one of you here, God is working on your behalf. Whether you can see it or you cannot see it, he is working on your behalf. And it's no small thing that he has worked on your behalf and he is working on your behalf now. And you need to know that. Because he loves you. So last Sunday afternoon after I left here and went to Burnaby and teach this big, huge class of young people, and my wife, she uh, messages me on Messenger while I'm in the class. And uh, she says, say hi to this one and this one and that one and that one and that one and this one. Tell this one. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> So I go through all that, and then uh, she messaged me something else, and they hear the ding on my phone, and they said, what's she saying now? <laughs> I said, that's for me, not for you. <laughs> no, 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 Pastor Dan, tell us what she says. 
She says, I love you. <laughs> oh, so then they asked me, does she say that to you a lot? Yeah. Then they asked me again, do you say that to her? I said, many times in a day. We never hear our parents talking like that to each other. Oh, I said, I have to preach on that. <laughs> Why, they said. Well, do you know of any book in the Bible, I said to them, where God doesn't speak to us and tell us he loves us? And how much more should we tell each other that we love them also? Hello. And they listened, and they listened, and they listened. And usually they have all kinds of comments and questions, but then they had none. <laughs> John chapter 15, Jesus always speaks to us because he loves us. He loves us so much, each one of us by name. He calls us. And he speaks and he tells this message to the disciples starting in verse 1. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he prunes and cuts it off. And the branches that bear fruit, he prunes so they will bear more fruit. You got, have we got any grape growers here that know about this kind of stuff? Some a little bit. Well, you can imagine things in our life that God looks at and he says, yeah, it's not very profitable for you. And it's not profitable for me. So I cut that off. But now you have some things in your life, some fruit that's good. But that fruit that's good, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's good, but it doesn't show, show up very good. It's kind of like when I go to Costco and I like to buy those nice juicy grapes and sometimes they don't look so good. So I leave them, wait till next week, maybe it'll look better. My wife used to get mad at me because I would taste them all the time first. You can't do that, she said. I said, well, I don't want to get home and then find out they don't taste good. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? No? Am I the only one? No, somebody else. <laughs> and then he says, stay in me. Now, this version says you've already been pruned, but the Greek translation says you're clean. The Greek word is clean. You are clean because of the message I've given you. Well, we are clean if we're born again. We have been made clean, purified by Christ. But then he said, now I want you to stay in me. I don't know what these refugee kind of people think of us, sometimes all us Canadians, but, but they say, Dan, we didn't think people in Canada could get as old as you and then stay Christians. <laughs> ah, you see, so many fall by the wayside. I got saved in 81, and I've seen so many fall by the wayside. Why? Because they didn't remain in Jesus. They didn't let him do his work. They got offended with this. They got offended with that. They took up this cause. They took up that cause. They did this. They did that. And the next thing you know, they were gone. Jesus said, stay in me. Remain in me and produce fruit. What kind of fruit? 
the fruit of the Spirit, of course. Who can quote me that from Galatians? The fruit of the Spirit is? Yeah. Now get this. Just picture this now. Jesus is saying, you got a little love there, Dan, but you haven't got quite enough that I want you to show. So I'm going to cut you back a little bit so you can produce a little bit more love. You have a little bit of joy and peace, but not enough. So I'm going to prune you a little bit so I can see some more joy and peace come from you. And your patience and kindness, it's really been growing since you're getting older, but it still needs to grow some more. So I'm going to prune you a bit there. I'm going to do some things in your life that's going to cause your patience to grow and your kindness to grow and your humility to grow and your goodness to grow. And you know, there'll always be kind of things in your life that will steal, especially joy. So I had this uh, fellow I know, whoa, whoa, way back, way back, maybe in the 80s. I was working in Thunder Bay, Ontario, in the bush camps, running heavy equipment. What I do is train heavy equipment operators and run heavy equipment and train class one truck drivers. And so I was over there working for Canadian Pacific Woodlands Division, building roads and putting in culverts and bridges and training guys how to do it too. And there was a scaler there, and I'm on this dozer, and the Holy Spirit says to me, I want you to stop that dozer, and I want you to get off it. And when that scaler comes around, I want you to walk around with him. You know what a scaler is? He scales what the logs are, so what percentage of pine or what kind of percentage of spruce, so they know how to pay the guys that put them down there based on that percentage. So I get up and I walk around and I asked him his name. He said his name is Dale. And I share the gospel with Dale and we get back around to the loop and he's got tears in his eyes. And I said, do you want to receive Jesus as your savior? And he said, not today. I said, okay. Three weeks later, he calls me to his room at the camp. He said, I want to receive Jesus today. I said, okay. Led him to the Lord. Then on the weekends, during the week after work, I would go fishing. We'd catch all these pickerel, one right after the other. And so I'd go home on the weekend. I'd have this big catch of fish. And I'd invite all kinds of people over and cook this fancy pickerel dish I like to cook with cheese or its crackers and butter. And mm. <laughs> So anyway, one weekend, I invite Dale over. Come eat with us. Dale, in the meantime, he's just beaming. He's got this Walkman, and he's listening to the Word of God as, as he's working every day. And so this day, I invite him over, and we're sitting at the table, and his face was kind of downcast, you know? You know, you know when people, like, you see them, and they're always, you know, you know them this way, and then, you can tell, you know, something's wrong, Right? You don't even have to hear them say anything, and you know something's wrong. So I said, Dale, I said, uh, what's happening? Oh, he said, I've been studying Genesis. Oh, I said, that's good. Yeah, he said, Dan, uh, I don't believe God created the earth in six days. I said, oh, I see. I said, uh, when you were studying Genesis and you said to the Holy Spirit, I don't believe this, did uh, you notice something change in you? Yeah. I said, I can see it. I said, what you did is you called God a liar. I mean, he saved you. He's given you his word. And now you're saying you don't believe it. You want to be 
Happy again? Have your joy back? I do. Well, Dan, this is the way I was taught in school, and this is what they told me, and there's this and this, and I, oh, 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 Sasquatch and what else? <laughs> I said, Dale, it's really simple. Just say, Lord, forgive me for arguing with you and not believing you. I believe it, and I repent for not believing, and your joy will come back. It's that easy, he said. I said, it's that easy. Okay. And he did it, and his face lit up. God is pruning him, cutting back the things in his life that he'd been taught and that he thought and he believed. Cutting those things off, bringing him back to the Word of God and say, I believe the Word of God. It's the Word of God we stand on, that we believe all the time. And it's the Word of God that the enemy attacks in our lives over and over and over again so that we are not who we are supposed to be and who he wants us to be and who we even want to be. My wife says, even when I'm cranky, I don't want to be cranky with you, but I am. <laughs> I said, that's why I have good long walks. <laughs> and then I pray every time I get home, you're not cranky. <laughs> Goodness, kindness, faithfulness. And it begins at home. You see, it doesn't begin at the church. Everything begins at home. The way we treat our spouse, the way we treat our children, the way we treat our parents. God always starts at our home. And then from there, it comes and works its way out in the church, in the public, wherever we are, whatever we are doing. Hello. The next thing Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers, and such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings much glory to God. Where are you going to bring this glory to God from the fruit of the Spirit? You're going to start at home, your workplace, the people you meet on the street, in your church. That's how you're going to bring glory to God, by bearing this fruit. Hello. And bearing this fruit is not easy. It's not easy. It means you got to start working on overcoming offenses and your own selfishness and, oh my goodness, there's all kinds of things you got to work on. But God says, if you bear this fruit and you produce it good, you ask me what you want and I will give it to you. But not before. Sometimes these young people are always doing stuff and, praying funny and, and teaching them, you know, how to pray. And I said, where'd you guys learn to pray like the way you pray? Oh, we learned it here. Oh, you didn't pray like that? And they were true. Oh, we don't know. We were born here. Our parents come from there. Oh, I see. I said, let me tell you something. Okay. 
If my boys come to me and said, Dad, this, 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 and that, and that, and this, and amen, and I'm looking forward to getting it tomorrow. I'd say, go give your head a shake. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you come talking to me like that, not only I'll take go give your head a shake, I'll give you a boot in the rear. <laughs> I said, my kids would never talk to me that way. Now, what makes you think you can talk to God that way? What kind of respect and honor do you think you're showing him? We serve an awesome God. We need to show him the honor and respect that is due him. And then we will ask according to his will. Another verse says, if you ask anything according to my will, you will receive it. But once we're close to him, you see, we ask differently than when we're a long ways away. Yeah. My girls are a little smarter. They would say, Dad, since you love us so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remain in my love. I have loved you. You, even as the Father has loved me. This is something. That's how much God loves us. Even as the Father loved him. That's how he loved there's disciples, and that's also how he loves us. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. Obedience is a tough thing for us, isn't it? It is costly. Jesus said in another place, count the cost. And I read that, and I was a new Christian in 1981. I said, oh, yes, I can pay the price. <laughs> Sometimes along the way, I wish I wouldn't have been so brash <laughs> when I was a new Christian. I saw these Corey Ten Boom movies. Anybody heard of her? And I said, just like, oh, wherever you lead, I'll follow. Wherever you send, I'll go. Like she said, sheesh, don't ever... We'll never do that. <laughs> Timbuktu is a real place. <laughs> Just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you these things that you will be filled with joy and your joy will overflow. And this is my commandment, that you love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus said in another place, they will know you by what? The love you show for each other, that's right. Will they know you by your wealth, the things you own, the things you have, the things you do? No. They will know you by who you are. You were asking what you did. Well, the Lord woke me up. It was still 2.30, and I was worshiping and praising and in spirit and in song. And, and uh, I was singing this song for like an hour as I was worshiping and praying in the middle, in the middle of the night. Uh, maybe you, some of you have heard of, Worthy, oh, worthy are you, Lord. Worthy to be thanked and praised and worshiped and adored. Worthy, oh, worthy are you, Lord. Worthy to be thanked 
and praise and worship and adore. I was sharing with your pastor, Trent, when the first time I came for coffee with her, I'm preaching through the book of Revelations in our church. I'm in chapter 19, and I was sharing with him how when God told the angels to tell John, I want you to go to my temple. And when you're at my temple, I want you to go into the inside of my temple and count certain people, only certain people. Who were those people? The worshipers. He said, go in there and count the worshipers in the inner court and leave the outer court. Yeah, God just loves it when we worship him and we praise him. Yeah. Now, how do we know if someone loves us? Young people, anybody got an answer? What's, what, what's the answer? What's your answer? Unconditional. How do you know it's unconditional? So if they love you, they forgive you. Okay, good. 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 Anybody else? Fur coat. They give you a fur coat. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I have a fancy coat that was made in the Arctic when I was there five years. <laughs> Anybody else? How do you know if someone loves you? By their fruit? Okay, and someone else? They'll die for you. They'll die for you? Yeah, lay down your life, Jesus said that. Now, how, how do you know love, though? Wow, no answers. Let's look it up. 1 Corinthians 13. What does it say? This is how we know if someone loves us. Love is patient. So we know if someone loves us, they're patient with us. I told you about my wife sometimes, but she also has to be patient with me. <laughs> So love is patient. What else? Kind. Always kind. Love is always kind. It's not jealous, boastful, or proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way and is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. I knew you'd do that again. You asked for forgiveness, but I knew you'd do it again. <laughs> Hello. Record, keeping records of wrongs. That's a tough one. People like to do that. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Where does it start? At home. Then it goes out to the world, and then we celebrate it in the church, in the house of God together. We have to understand what God wants and why he wants it. So that's how we know if we are loved. So that means that God loves us that way, right? So he's patient with us. He endures. There's only one one in there that I know that is not jealous. Did you know the Bible says that God is jealous for us? He's a jealous God. 
So when we get off track somewhere, he gets jealous. I got asked last night to join in, in Indonesia, uh, Youth with a Mission. So they asked me, they messaged me from Indonesia to join them, so I said, okay. It was late. And the speaker there was giving, talking about the topic of the most dangerous things that they're dealing with in the world, and, and he was speaking about, and it was a good message about, about the Muslim religion taking over. And it was good. But what our biggest problem is here in Canada is not other religions, especially for our children. Our biggest problem here in Canada is sorcery and the occult. That's our biggest problem. And the Bible speaks against it from Genesis to Revelations. And the Bible says in Revelations, people are going to be so deceived. As a matter of fact, Peter writes and says there will be a great falling away of the church before Christ returns. What's the deception? Because they're involved with so many shows on TV and games that are involved with sorcery, they cannot tell the truth from evil. So when the Antichrist and the first and the second beast come, and they even have so much power that they make a statue talk, and God gives them the ability to have this power, and they deceive the nations, everybody will be deceived because they've been so involved with playing with these things and involved with them. And God is so jealous about that. And as I listened to these speakers, and I, I thought, wow, that's interesting, their perspective. And as I teach all these young peoples and all these other Eritrean church are sending their young people to, for me to teach, and they're sending my messages all over Ethiopia, and I'm getting messages from Ethiopia and Eritrea and all over about these things I'm teaching from Revelations. We need to know these things in the church because we are living in perilous times. And the enemy is doing all kinds of things to destroy families and homes and people and children and the church. And we need to be on guard against these things. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't chose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. God chose you, each one of you. Who's brave enough to answer me when he chose you? Oh my gosh, you know the Bible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yesterday I asked a big congregation and no one think, everyone had a different answer. They say, when I was a baby. When <laughs> yes. Before God even created the universe in this world, he chose you. He purposed you to be here today in this time in history, to love you, to care for you, to act on your behalf, to teach you, to give you understanding of his purposes for you, to have you understand that one day some 
will rule and reign with Christ when he returns to this earth to rule this earth for a thousand years. Others will be in heaven learning doctrine. <laughs> Isaiah speaks of that because they refuse to learn on earth. God chose you purposely and deliberately for himself to represent his kingdom on this earth, to be part of his church. And he appointed you. When I was a uh, senior trainer at uh, Arctic College in Rankin Inlet for all of Nunavut, I forget the gentleman's name. He was the governor general of Canada uh, when Harper was in government. He came up there to visit, so the army all came and checked out all my shops and equipment and everything to make it was safe for the governor general to come. And you can go on Facebook, my Facebook page or whatever, and you see pictures of me and him, and I'm training him and his wife on heavy equipment, and it was just a neat thing. Now, this governor general, he was appointed by Mr. Harper. And so he was a really important man. And I treated him with the utmost respect and honor that his appointment required. Now you are appointed. You are gifted. There's no, no one here without a gift from the Holy Spirit. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, you have been given a gift from the Holy Spirit. And you are appointed by God in his house to do his work that only you can do. And he has chosen you deliberately and purposely before he even created this earth. I want to close with the prophetic word the Lord gave me. It's no small thing. Your appointment is a big thing in God's eyes. And if I can leave you with anything as I close, it would be with a word of encouragement that you would realize and understand the great love and appointment that has been given to you by God himself. Would you stand with me, please, as we honor our Lord? Father in heaven, we worship you and we praise you. We know your great love through your word and through the prophetic words you have given for each one here. I ask, Lord, that you would touch each one here today with your presence. May they sense the work you are doing in their lives and yield to it. May they understand how great you love them, how great your call is upon their lives, and the things you are doing in them, for them, and through them. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.